Young with five. Young with two. Second remaining. Rockage to the Rosen. For the win. No! They called a foul. I don't believe it. This for the lead. Got it. 122-121. If they can get it, they can get it to him. Young. Instead, they'll go inside. Go up. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to NBA Fast Break. I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for downloading the podcast. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, thanks so much for supporting us as we talk to you about the NBA and the Bulls. It is 6 p.m. on Monday, uh, December 12th, and I will tell you that after watching the Bulls lose to the Atlanta Hawks, 123 to 122 in overtime. I'm here to tell you I'm still not over it. I am still not over it. And we're almost a day in from that game that took place on Sunday at the State Farm Center in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, the Bulls are the embodiment of 11 and 15. You just heard the highlights there of the Bulls just squandering that game against the Atlanta Hawks. So there's a lot of layers to this that I want to talk to you about. First and foremost, So, Zach Levine finished with 21 points. He was 1 for 5 from 3. He was 2 for 3 from the foul line. I have no other choice. Honesty compels me to talk to you about the shot selection from Zach Levine. Does he get buckets? Of course he gets buckets. Can he score? Yes, he can score. Of course he can. Here's the issue, though. People, when you're on the road... And you feel like, well, there's a home crowd here that's getting support from the home team. You've got to be able to dictate the pace. You have to take the crowd out of it. And how you do that is dictating the pace by going to the basket. What is easier for Zach Levine? For him to just have long twos or threes now within the offense? Or for him to drive to the basket, especially when the game's in the line in the fourth quarter? I mean, three free throws is unacceptable for a guy with the ball in his hands the lion's share of the time. That's just not going to work for me. Uh Uh-uh. No. Three free throws? But yet, we'll take shot after shot from the outside because he's trying to match DeMar DeRozan. Now, here's the thing. You say what you want about DeMar DeRozan, but he kept the Bulls in that ball game, an opportunity for him to win. He finished with 34 points. He had 13 boards. He had eight assists. He was 14 for 15 from the foul line, including three clutch free throws at the end. Just a dumb foul in a, boy, in a clown car of dumb fouls and dumb plays, especially in the fourth quarter and overtime. That was one of them right there with uh, Bogdanovich. He had three free throws, and DeRozan was able to knock them all down. I mean, that gave the Bulls a 122-121 to 121 lead, 0.5 seconds remaining. Again, hats off to DeMar DeRozan. Let me just put a pin in that just for a second, and then we move on to the end of the game. 
So you heard the highlight right there. 0.5 seconds left. Why is it that little hawk, Adrian Griffin's son, A.J. Griffin, is wide open from the inbounds pass? Now, it's being guarded by Vucevic. And we'll get into Vucevic in a little bit, too, um, on this podcast. But why is it Vucevic is trying to guard the inbounds pass? It goes right to Griffin. And all you have is one player. One player, not in a zone, not in where you have a big, like Tony Bradley off the bench. Somebody, somebody to defend the rim. It's thrown up at the rim, and then H.A. Griffin is able to get the lay-in over Derrick Jones Jr., and that's that with that. I mean, Derrick Jones Jr., I know the headline, he gave up the game-winning play. You know who gave up the game-winning play is the coaching staff of the Chicago Bulls led by Billy Donovan. Yes, I saw Derrick Jones Jr. talk about how, you know, he should have been able to keep his eye on the ball. He took his eye off the ball, so it's on him. Young man, I appreciate the effort of trying to be a leader and saying it's my bad, but that's just a bad job by Billy Donovan and that coaching staff. How in the hell does Billy Donovan not drop a play and say, okay, it's an inbounds pass. Maybe they can't score on this, but we're going to make sure it's well defended. And so right there, that tells you how bad the Bulls defense has been. Oh, you're being a hater about the Bulls defense. No, that's a microcosm of it right there. It's just like you spend time watching these games and you're going to win and lose some games, but that was a winnable ball game. And the heroics of Kobe White knocking down a three in the corner when the Bulls need it, Late in the game, when you get DeMar DeRozan like a champion stepping up and getting you three free throws when you need it. Could have been two, three free throws. Even Derrick Jones Jr. got you in overtime. He he missed one free throw, but at least he tied the game. All those heroics don't mean a damn thing when you can't do the simplest things defensively. That's on the players. That's on the coaching staff. The Bulls lost that game yesterday. And I know that's the case based on the the score. I'm just talking about organizationally, the Bulls lost that game. It's not about talent. It's about being able to do what you can with the talent. And and just, uh, that was just amazing to watch how that happened. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the players on this team because it is just amazing how Griffin was able to hit that buzzer beater. That's one thing. A jaw-dropping finish uh, is what Darnell Mayberry from The Athletic wrote and is exactly right. I was sitting there stunned, like, the Bulls got this. And I probably said that four or five times watching the game. Oh, the Bulls got this. So it was going to be a hard-fought victory against a good offensive team in the Atlanta Hawks, and the Bulls just let it go. They just let go of the rope, and that's what happened. A simple-ass play like that. I talked to two coaches earlier today after I got off the air with David Kaplan. And I called, and I called one, texted the other one, and I said, what would you usually do in that inbounds pass? I mean, okay, 0.5 seconds left. What do you do in that spot? And he said, well, I would, one coach said I would zone, or I would bring off, bring a big, I'd have Andre Drummond come out there, whatever it would take to make sure that you defend the rim. One-on-one, in that situation where it's got to be a lob throw up to the rim, anything can happen. And guess what? The Bulls were not prepared for it. And that is Bulls basketball to a T, right there. Not prepared. 
Let's talk a little bit about this Bulls team as far as the roster is concerned and some things that was written about regarding Vucevic. But first, let's, let's talk about where this team is right now because out of all of the lousy losses that the Bulls have had this year, that's definitely on the team photo now. That goes along with a couple of uh, like Oklahoma City and Orlando and a few other games that the Bulls have played where they had a chance to win the game and then they just could not because they ran out of gas, ran out of offense, and definitely had no defense to be able to speak of uh, uh, in this game against Atlanta and a number of games already this season. We're, we're 26 games in, and I'm aggravated about watching Bulls basketball because you look at the roster with DeRozan giving you his all. Let me just get to this about DeRozan. And I might have mentioned this in the previous podcast here regarding DeRozan, or I might have put it on my Instagram, IGJ Hood, regarding um, a possible disconnect between DeRozan and Levine. So we clearly know, because you're listening to this basketball podcast, that you know that DeRozan's game is different from Levine's. DeRozan is a guy that's kind of a Steve Smith kind of dude, um, under the rim, uh, not necessarily worried about your threes. He had no threes, in, for instance, in the game against Atlanta. The guy is a slasher, goes to the basket. The guy is able to hit you know, um, medium-range twos. He gets to the foul line. He rebounds the basketball. He, in this game, he was two assists shy from a triple-double. He was that good in this game against Atlanta. But that's, I mean, for a guy that played 45 minutes, he gave his all. And again, the Bulls still fell short. But Levine's game is one who knocks down threes and he has electricity going to the basket. He just doesn't do it enough. So it's two different styles. Hey, you can't have five guys do the same thing. I understand that. But there should never be a disconnect between DeRozan and Levine. Those two need to be able to work together as a one-two punch. Now, when you look at the rest of this lineup, like Patrick Williams... He had eight points and seven rebounds. I'm going to give the young man a benefit of the doubt because I know that you, once you're in the NBA and you're a young player, you're supposed to be Zion Williamson or you're supposed to be able to have you know 20 and 10 a night. That's not who Patrick Williams is just as of yet. However, um, the offensive uh, game plan has to be better for him. If he's the fifth option on this offense, he's got to find a way to be able to get easy baskets uh, right there in the painted area. That has to happen. I expect 7 to 10 boards. I expect him to be able to get a couple blocks. I expect him to be able to mix it up defensively. And then from easy points, he doesn't have to shoot threes. Didn't have to. I expect him to be able to get easy points underneath because, because Vucevic does not. And that leads me to the Vucevic piece of this podcast. So I was reading Zach Lowe, who I'm not a fan of, from ESPN.com. Uh, but he was going through the 10 things that he has noticed um, in the NBA going into this week. So he talks about how the Bulls are 25th in offensive efficiency. They've scored 108.8 points per 100 possessions with DeRozan, Vucevic, and Levine on the floor, equivalent to the Orlando Magic's 27th ranked offense. So the Bulls and the Magic are similar offensively as far as the production that they have. And can I just tell you, that's not good. That's not good. Opponents are blitzing the Bulls by five points per 100 possessions when those three play together. Chicago lost uh, those minutes last season too, but not by much. So he goes on to talk about uh, Zach Levine and he talks about Vucevic. So here's something about Vucevic. Vucevic is a career 34% shooter on threes. He is shooting 35% this season. He shot 31% last season. And three seasons leading into that uh, scorching 2020 campaign, he had 
36% and 34%. Vucevic is solid, but he's not really a stretch center. And I know that that's exactly what the Bulls want him to be. Okay, so he does shoot the ball somewhat well from three. But the numbers I just gave you, career 34% shooter from three, is shooting 35 this season. You know, especially in clutch time, he's got to do even better than that. It's needed on this team. If there is a quote-unquote big three, which I don't consider this with this Bulls team, but people try to rationalize their best three players as the big three. No one will have the big three like we saw, you know, with the Miami Heat. That was the first time we heard that phrase. Uh, There's been three great players before, but the quote-unquote big three of this team for the Bulls um, leaves a lot to be desired, where they're good, but I wonder, is there a ceiling on their success? Here's the thing. Vucevic is up for an extension to his contract. DeRozan will be after this season. And so the question that was posed on here, does Jerry Reinsdorf want to pay for a so-so team? This team is going to be a so-so team as long as Giannis is in the East. Let me just get to this point. And for those of you that know, you know. But for those that need a refresher, here's what it comes down to in the NBA. If you're a Chicago Bulls fan and you see this team and you say, Hood, you know, this team, it's just early, it's 26 games in the season, going into the next game on Wednesday, this team will improve. Well, I would agree with you that they will be better than 11 and 15. Um, There are a number of teams that have underachieved already this season because of injury or because they're off to a slow start. Uh, And there's a few teams that surprise. You think in Miami, they're talking about a rebuild? They're not. You think that we should be talking about a rebuild in Chicago? No. Um, you think that they should be talking about that in Minnesota or with the Lakers? Uh, no, because that's not what's happening. They're, Toronto, the same thing, off to a slow start. Doesn't necessarily mean that that's who they are at the, se- at the end of the season. Uh, it is a marathon, not a sprint. You've heard that before. But the, the overarching point I want to make about the NBA is you know that there's four to six teams that for sure – can be able to get to the championship or maybe get to the championship. Boston's one of those teams. Milwaukee's one of those teams. And that third team in the East, that could be the Sixers. uh, That could be Brooklyn if they keep it together. Those are three teams in the East in particular. In the West, um, teams like the Phoenix Suns and teams like the Memphis Grizzlies uh, and then that third team could be could more likely will be Golden State. They'll have something to say before it's all squared away. Dallas is off to a, a flat start at 13 and 13. So there's only about five or six teams that can win it anyway. But in each conference, there's always someone that has a cap on that uh, particular conf- uh, conference. In this situation with Milwaukee, Giannis rules the East. Is there anyone even close to being Giannis on the Chicago Bulls? And so this is the issue with Boston. This is the issue with uh, Brooklyn's got to deal with the 76ers, Atlanta Hawks, Cleveland. They got to deal with Giannis because the championship goes through him. And the same thing in the West, whatever you think of the Golden State Warriors in their kind of, you know, slow start, those guys are the champions. They can find a way to grind wins out, especially at home. And they've got shooting all over the floor. Even though the Pelicans and the Grizzlies are off to a great start, it's about the teams that have multiple stars that can get it done late in the playoffs that are seasoned. And so, and the Phoenix Suns could be that team. I don't think so. I've given up on them over the last few years. But yet, you can't rule them out. Absolutely not. So, when people say, or maybe that's even you, ah, the Bulls should tank, I'm not trying to get to where the, the Pistons are. 
I'm not trying to get where the Rockets and the Spurs are right now. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I would rather be fighting to get in the playoffs and then see what happens than to just tear it down. Because the draft is a crapshoot. And then on top of that, I always circle back to this with any sports team that I'm covering. Do you trust the front office to be able to get you where you need to be if you tear it down? If you say, ah, oh, you know what, we'll just trade Levine, trade, let DeRozan go to the Lakers. The conjecture that's out there now is like DeRozan will go to the Lakers and blah, blah, blah. And Vucevic, you just, okay, you can always retool and, and not, without dismantling a team. You can always retool the team. I just I do not believe in just being able to say, ah, oh, you know, we're 11 and 15, just tank. Because you know you'll win the championship next year or next couple of years? Nah. Now, at some point, it's got to be on the coach. At some point, it's got to be on the players to play harder. It's got to be able to, to, you've got to be able to be flexible. If Billy Donovan's throwing the same things out there that he did last year or the year before and nothing's changing, then you got to take a close look if you're Connor Chauvis and Eversley. But but the idea that you just ah well, you know we're we're never going to be able to catch the Celtics or the Bucks so just tank because you know what that's right like right I mean to tank you don't know what's on the other side of that tank is it a three year bill is it a five year bill I am not trying to go back there absolutely not if I'm going to be watching Bulls basketball and I watch the whole league but if I don't watch Bulls basketball I want to be entertained I just want to see how this team can be able to develop. And without just knocking over the Lego blocks, you might want to just see how this team can be able to gel at some point and get on a run. And that's not happening with this Bulls team right now. We will wrap up fast break, but I'd like to let you know that we are brought to you by DraftKings. I got so wrapped up in the Bulls, forgot to mention DraftKings. DraftKings, use the promo code WMVP for DraftKings. Listen, I use it all the time when it comes to um, NBA bets for college basketball, for the NBA, for all sports. Check out DraftKings, but don't forget to use the promo code WMVP. You know the Christmas games are right around the corner for the NBA and, of course, plenty of college basketball as well. Check it out on DraftKings. DraftKings and use the promo code WMVP. All right, let us give a shout out to the big men. How about Joel Embiid? Joel Embiid was amazing. 52 points against the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, Tim Legler, my guy from NBA Radio, was talking about how impressive Joel Embiid has been for the Philadelphia 76ers. In the month of December, he is averaging 41.3 points. Uh, uh, almost 11 boards, almost five assists on 60% shooting. And the best thing about Embiid, uh, you can't foul him because he's shooting yeah, 90% from right. the line. I mean, he, he's he's really defies biophysics because nobody that big and powerful should have that kind of touch. He's overwhelming physically if you want to play him, try to play him straight in the post because he's so strong. The way he displaces really big, strong guys as effortlessly as he does is really amazing. But then he goes out, he makes step backs, he makes threes, he puts the ball on the floor. He had a play yesterday where he comes up the right side of the floor. They kind of threw it ahead to him. He was a little bit over half court. He comes up the right sideline and he goes to the, you know, the Steve Smith fake reverse that Steve Smith yeah. kind of invented where you, you kind of go and you kind of you, you half turn like you're going to spin back to the middle. He did one of those and then drove base on a dunk the ball. And I'm going, that's nice, like a guard nice. move. So yeah. he just he's just that very, very unique combination this league has ever seen of that kind of raw power. He's probably the most powerful guy in the post 
down there just in terms of physical displacement since Shaq. That is high praise from Tim Legler from NBA Radio talking about uh, how special Joel Embiid was. Uh, 53 points, 12 rebounds for the big guy, along with three assists, 62% from the field. Huge performance for the guy from the Philadelphia 76ers against the Charlotte Hornets. Another shout-out to a big guy. So I've given Anthony Davis, Chicago's own, a rough ride, and rightfully so. Um, I don't want him to be the guy that had so much promise and then always writhing in pain like a small giraffe in the zoo. I mean, I'm watching this guy, and I really thought that with the Lakers, he'd be able to come into his own. Yes, he's an NBA champion, but it's about consistency, right? So looking the day after Thanksgiving on the 25th of July, I'm sorry, the the 25th of November, I don't know what I'm, it's July, uh, November 25th, I'm taking a look at this right now. So let's see, Anthony Davis against San Antonio, looking at his stats, he had 25 points and 15 rebounds. Against the Indiana Pacers on November 28th, he had 25 points, 13 rebounds, and 6 assists. Against the Portland Trailblazers on the 30th, he had 27 points and 12 rebounds. Looking at the Lakers game against Milwaukee, uh, he scored a total of 44 points and 10 rebounds. He had a monster game. That game was at Milwaukee. I remember watching that in the um, in the hotel room. Uh, in Des Moines with the UIC Flames. I was just watching that game and watching that performance of 44 points and 10 rebounds and four assists. Uh, That was a victory against Milwaukee uh, that Friday, December 2nd. On December 4th, my man had 55 points and 17 rebounds against Washington. And then he got sick against Cleveland. At Cleveland, could not play. Uh, well, he did not score. He's out there for eight minutes, cannot play. Then the next game, he comes back. He has 31 points against the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, along with 12 boards. And the game on Sunday against Detroit in a win, 34 points and 15 rebounds and seven assists. Anthony Davis has been a monster. And the only thing that I've been talking about is with him is that he just has to stay healthy. I mean, that, that's the whole thing. Because it's the league, there's always going to be days off. And I know that that's a whole different kettle of fish that we got to talk about at some point about these um, load management games. If you had a ticket to the Bulls and Dallas Mavericks game, you didn't see Luka, in which the Bulls blew out Dallas. You're like, man, I was there to see the Bulls, but I want to see a guy that could be MVP this year. Definitely top five in the conversation, Luka Doncic. And Doncic did not play on, on Saturday. And that's one of the big reasons why the Bulls beat Dallas on Saturday. But the point is, though, that for Anthony Davis and for the Lakers to do anything, I mean, ultimately, Anthony Davis has to stay healthy. And so 34 points for him in that game on Sunday against Detroit. If he stays healthy, the Lakers have a chance to win a lot of games, with even with an aging LeBron James with him. Team's not very good, but Anthony Davis is supposed to be the heir apparent. He's supposed to be better than LeBron at this point. And again, his inability to stay healthy has been an issue. And finally tonight... We will talk a little bit about another great big man who just passed away recently, the great Paul Silas. Um, Did not see him play. I'm not that old uh, to see him play, but I did see him coach, coach a number of teams in the NBA. He recently passed away for... uh, with uh, a cardiac issue, cardiac arrest. And of course, his son, Steve Silas, uh, is a coach in the NBA. And so um, all the best to Steven Silas uh, and his family from the passing of his dad, Paul Silas. Here is a review 
of the great Paul Silas as a great NBA figure in this league. For over 50 years, Paul Silas was a quiet but forceful presence in the NBA. He was a longtime coach whose impact can still be seen today. During his 16-year playing career, he was a three-time NBA champion, but he'll always be remembered as one of the game's most dominant rebounders. I found a way to be successful, and I found that offensive rebounding was a skill that I acquired and could do that very few others could do. After setting an NCAA rebounding record at Creighton University, Silas was drafted by the St. Louis Hawks in 1964. Once he entered the NBA, he quickly displayed his knack for cleaning the boards. Silas was incredible. They didn't need to teach him. He came in the league and got up quick and had great hands. He was sent to Phoenix in 1969 and blossomed, averaging a double-double in his three seasons there and earning the first of his two All-Star honors. Number 29, Paul Silas, Suns Player of the Year. It was his time as a Boston Celtic that were the most prominent of his career. Silas's rebounding and defense were perfect complements to teammates John Havlicek, Dave Cowens, and JoJo White as they resurrected the Celtic dynasty, winning two championships in 1974 and 1976. It was a game that the fans in Boston Garden, a nationwide audience, will never forget. Two seasons later, at the age of 34, his physical presence and leadership were integral to the Seattle Supersonics teams that went to back-to-back NBA Finals, including capturing the title in 1979. Right after his playing career ended, Silas became a mainstay on NBA sidelines for the next three decades. He was a head coach for several teams, including stops in San Diego, Charlotte, New Orleans, and Cleveland, where in 2003, he became the first professional coach for a young phenom named LeBron James. Never seen anyone that uh, has the mental attitude as well as the physical powers, if, if you will, that, that, that he has at such a young age. A five-time member of the NBA All-Defensive Team, Paul Silas's legacy continues to this day. His son, Stephen, who learned the coaching trade directly as his father's assistant, is currently the head coach of the Houston Rockets. Both on and off the floor, he gave me so many pearls of wisdom to be around him and be able to ask dumb questions and get an opportunity to get into this job that I love. I owe it all to him. 